Oh, give thanks to the Lord for His good. His loving kindness endures forever. Heavenly Father, we thank You for this evening and we thank You for the opportunity we have to be in this place. We thank You for the glorious goodness of the gospel of Jesus Christ. We've been saved by the grace of God and we say thank You for it. Your goodness to us is overwhelming. Forgive us when we are complainers. Forgive us when we are unthankful. Forgive us when we are demanding. Forgive us, Lord, when we are not grateful children of God. We pray that tonight you might help us as we open the Word of God, and we thank you for the Word of God, a lamp to our feet and a light to our path. Where would we be had you not given us the Word of God? And we thank you for the gift of the Word of God in our own language. Where would we be if we couldn't read your Word in our own mother tongue? We pray for those in places still in the world who do not have a Bible in their own language. We pray for Wycliffe translators. We pray for others who are much involved in these things. May you bless them. May you give them the resources they need so that they might discover and put the Word of God in every single language and dialect in the world. We thank you for the Gideons who distribute Bibles, and may we be faithful to do so in our lives. We thank you for your goodness, your goodness in grace, your goodness in care, your goodness in providence to us. And then may we be, because you have made us good in Christ, may we be good to others. May we be good people, helpful people. Tonight, Lord, we thank you for the Word of God, which teaches us the wisdom of God. The fear of the Lord is the beginning of wisdom, and the fear of the Lord teaches us not to be fools. We pray tonight that as we hear again and we look carefully at your Word, every word matters. You display for us the picture of foolishness again tonight. May we not be fools anymore. May we live for Jesus and may our lives truly count for the cause of Christ. Thank you for these who have gathered. We pray for many of our people who are traveling this summer and away, and we pray that you would bless them, may be refreshed and safe travels home. And for all of our ministries taking place tonight, Bible studies going on, our students and our children. We pray for our boys and girls who are at camp uh, with Brother Ken, and we, we just thank you for the chance to do ministry here. May we be grateful and thankful for it. Thank you for the days you give us, and may we remember we won't always have today. So may we use the best of our days for the glory of God. Now, Holy Spirit of God, bring the Word of God to our minds and give us focus tonight in all the distractions of the world, and may we May we hear what you have to say to us as we gather in fellowship around the Word. In Jesus' name we pray, amen. Uh, Lori, can you bring this up? Uh, I need some more here. If you can do that, I'd appreciate it. Ah, thank you very much. Proverbs chapter 18, good evening. Good to see all of you. If you don't have a copy of the outline, uh, I encourage you to find it. 
as we continue to walk our way through the book of Proverbs. Let me remind you of what we've been doing now for some time. You have in uh, the book of Proverbs, beginning in uh, chapter number, uh, let me get over here, chapter number 10, you have from chapter number 10 of Proverbs all the way through, and we'll finish tonight what are called the contrasts or the comparisons between the righteous and the wicked, or the contrast between righteous living and foolish living. So there's all kinds of comparisons. And this is, you know, I'm, I'm doing this with us as a church because uh, sadly, um, many do not appreciate the value of the Proverbs because they, they look for an outline in it, but it is actually a collection under inspiration. Uh, these things have been collected together in, there is actually an order to it. And so what I've been doing is t giving you an example. If you want the other outlines, they're all available. You can go back and look them up. I want you to see, I'm trying to take, uh, you have these threads. What's that called when you have that uh, thing that has all the threads in it? And you sew them to, yeah, you know, you sew tapestry. a tapestry or, no, you turn it upside down and it's all messy. What's it? Huh, is that it? Cross stitch. If you turn it up, it's beautiful on one side, but on the back, it's horrible. It looks like a mess. There are threads in your Bible. There are threads, these threads of truth. They come through, folks, and it, they're beautiful. So what I've done is simply pick out a thread, okay? So tonight, and there are many that you find, and we've seen that all the way along. So last week, we talked about a very important subject, silence in words is better than sinful, foolish words. It's better to not say anything than to say sinful, foolish things. And so we read uh, Proverbs 17, beginning in verse number 27. He who restrains his words has knowledge. He who restrains his words. You know, this is, this is implying restrain is a word that has to do with self-control. And he who has a cool spirit is a man of understanding or a woman of understanding. This is cool, the idea is a mild or a calm spirit, not agitated. Even a fool, when he keeps silent, is considered wise. When he closes his lips, he is considered prudent. So we were, we were looking at this last week, and so we end chapter 17, and then we come in to what I'm calling this week the foolish life of conflict. The foolish life of conflict. My friends, you know, we, the Lord says, you know, you don't call someone a fool. When he's describing that in the Sermon on the Mount, it's, it's using the word in derision or as a curse or cussing somebody. This, there is the way of the fool in the Word of God. And I have been a fool. You have been a fool. Foolishness is tied to sinfulness. Sinfulness leads to foolishness. I can still be foolish as a Christian. I can go back to a foolish way of living, a foolish way of talking, a foolish way of thinking. So this, this matter of, and as I mentioned to you before, the theme, and I thank you, Brother Levi, Psalm 100, 111, you know, again, the theme of the book of Proverbs is the fear of God. We spent a whole week on 
looking at all those places here. So what am I saying? I'm simply saying this, that now we follow this theme through. So as I read, notice that the times we read the word fool. The word fool is also tied to the word for the wicked. It's tied to the word, other kinds of words of sinful, of sinful behavior. So let's read Proverbs. We've read 17, uh, 28, and I'll just pick up and read now 18 through uh, chapter 18, verse 1 through 24. Hear the word of the Lord, and tonight here's what you can do. This is wonderful when you read the Proverbs. Just as you're walking through, it's like a garden. Oh, that's a beautiful flower. Oh, that's a beautiful one. That, I need that. You know, make a note. Maybe you find something tonight the Holy Spirit brings to your mind, and you go back and look at it. All right, here we go. Even a fool, when he keeps silent, is considered wise, and when he closes his lips, he is considered prudent. He who separates himself seeks his own desire. He quarrels against all sound wisdom. A fool, here it is, a fool does not delight in understanding, but only in revealing his own mind. When a wicked man, who is also a fool, comes, contempt also comes, and with dishonor comes scorn. The words of a man's mouth are deep waters. The fountain of wisdom is, bubbling, is a bubbling brook. To show partiality to the wicked is not good, nor to thrust aside, that is to push aside, push out of the way the righteous in judgment. A fool's lips bring strife, and his mouth calls for blows, which means, which calls for a fight. A fool's mouth is his ruin, and his lips are the snare of his soul. The words of a whisperer, again, fool, are like dainty morsels. They go down into the innermost parts of the body. He also who is slack in his work is brother to him who destroys. The name of the Lord is a strong tower. The righteous runs into it and is safe. A rich man's wealth is his strong city and like a high wall in his own imagination." Before destruction, the heart of a man is haughty, but humility goes before honor. He who gives an answer before he hears, it is folly and shame to him. The spirit of a man can endure his sickness, but as for a broken spirit, who can bear it? The mind of the prudent acquires knowledge, and the ear of the wise seeks knowledge. A man's gift makes room for him, and brings him before great men. The first to plead his case seems right until another comes and examines him. The cast lot puts an end to strife and decides between the mighty ones. A brother offended is harder to be won than a strong city. And contentions are like the bars of a citadel. With the fruit of a man's mouth, his stomach will be satisfied. He will be satisfied with the product of his lips. Death and life are in the power of the tongue, and those who love it will eat its fruit. He who finds a wife finds a good thing and obtains favor from the Lord. The poor man utters supplications 
But the rich man answers roughly. A man of too many friends comes to ruin. But there is a friend who sticks closer than a brother. Heavenly Father, now bless the reading of your word. May the Holy Spirit be our teacher. Open our minds to the truth of your word and may we hear the voice of the Holy Spirit from your word tonight. In Jesus' name, amen. Again, the focal truth, the foolish life of conflict. Where there's a fight, there's a fool. Where there's a fight, there's a fool. And as I opened said at the beginning, sinfulness is foolishness. And every wise man has been a fool. You know how I can know what a fool is? Because I've been like that. That's what, I've been like that. I'm no better than that. I've been foolish in my ways. I'm t- I'm, this is my testimony. Mike Miller, Pastor Mike, I've been foolish in my ways. I've been foolish with my words. I've been foolish with my values. Foolishness for the Christian is a double shame because we have the Holy Spirit to guide us. And when we reject the Holy Spirit, we're being foolish. Those who are lost without Christ, they live in foolishness because their life is a fool's game. They really believe that somehow they're going to make it when they fooled, as we say themselves. So let's look at this thread of foolishness in Proverbs 18. We've been taking our walk through. So by the way, next week we start on a set of uh, chapters on life and conduct. How do we live and how do we conduct ourselves as we live? And, and you'll, you'll read and see the difference in the section of, uh, of chapters uh, 19 going on through, I believe we go through 23 in the day's head. Remember I told you now, if you're a farmer here, we're on the tractor and we've got it in first gear. We're going really slow on purpose. I'm not in a hurry. Jesus comes and we only get to Proverbs 19. Praise God. Amen. Now let's talk about foolishness. First I look at this and I turn the mirror of the Word of God on myself. Am I living like a fool? Before I say, well, that's, he's a fool. They're acting like a fool. No, wait a minute. What about me? The foolish, number one, seeks his own desires. And I've used this word carefully, fighting against wise counsel. There is a quarrel that the fool has with wisdom. There's a quarrel. And that's what we read in verse 1. He who separates himself. This, the idea here is not what the Lord's saying about going and hiding yourself and prayer. No, this is about when you're going to go to yourself. Uh, this is, you know, what happens when sometimes people get mad? Well, they go pout. They go get by themselves. What happens when people are doing secret sin? They go hide out by themselves. They separate themselves. They don't separate themselves for holiness. They separate themselves for sinful purposes. So read it carefully. He who separates himself seeks and if you read the New American Standard as I do, the translators help you a little bit. His own desire. So this, this is it. This, this kind of separating yourself is, I don't want to hear your words, Lord. I don't want to. It's not separating yourself to pray. It's separating yourself to not hear from God. Because we read in B, 
18.1b, he quarrels against all sound wisdom. Now again, uh, just I try to repeat this because some of you have not been with us. So I've put the, the, uh, on the notes the statement Aramaic. Remember, I've, I've said to you just a quick, 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 quick. You know, so the, the, um, the early, the, the Jews coming back from captivity spoke the language of Babylon, Aramaic. It's the, it's the language of the Lord Jesus. They didn't know Hebrew. So those who knew the Hebrew language translated what were called Targums, T-A-R-G-U-M-S. So these are Targums. They are, they are paraphrase. They are a paraphrase of uh, the Psalms and the Proverbs and some selected parts of the prophets, not all the Bible. So I've given it to you because I think they give you some good insight. So the, the, the Aramaic reads, he who isolates himself pursues his desires. He disdains all competence. See, that's what a fool does. A fool doesn't want to hear about those who have knowledge and wisdom. I talk about my grandson and I love him. He's doing so well, but he's 22 years old. Do you remember when you were 22 years old? You remember what you thought you knew when you were 22 years old? So I was meeting with another 20-year-old this week. Energy, enthusiasm, but lack of knowledge. They just haven't lived long enough, right? So this particular person, like my grandson, you know, they speak about all these things, you know. Our grandson, Pat and I, we were listening to him the other day. and Okay, you know, it was all about what he was talking about. It was, again... He thought he knew more than the boss who's been doing, who's been doing uh, power, you know, my, my grandson's a lineman. Okay, you know, like I always say, do you know which line you're not supposed to touch? That's all I want to know. Did they train you to not touch the live wire? And if the answer is yes, then that's good. But he's working with a man. Yes, he said... He calls me Q. Q, I have to ride around in a truck with a 50-year-old man. And I thought, what's wrong with that? And I have to ride with him all day. Oh. The boss said, I have to go with him. Yes. And? Well, he thinks he knows everything. <laughs> well, he knows a lot more than you do. I read it. He who isolates himself pursues his desires. He disdains all competence. You can't teach me anything. I read to you. Nehemiah 9, 16 and 17. What does Nehemiah say as he's praying, confessing to God the sinfulness of Israel? Our fathers acted arrogantly. They became stubborn and would not listen to your commands. They refused to listen. What does 1 Samuel 2, 25 say? Eli went to his sons who were living in open ungodliness and immorality. And he spoke to them and he said, you shouldn't do this. And what does it say? First Samuel 2.25, they would not listen to the voice of their father. You see, the foolish man loves a good quarrel. The foolish man would rather argue with wisdom than accept it. And this doesn't go just for young people. Now I flip it. I know a lot of senior adults who think they're wise, but they're fools. Because they quarrel with the truth of God's Word. They don't live by God's Word. Even as senior adults, as we've commented before, 
how embarrassing it is to see senior adults who act like children. They're not even listening. They're not even remembering how their mothers taught them to be civil and respectful. That includes people you work with, and that also includes people who are in the government and people who are in the church. You see, the foolish man quarrels with wise counsel and will not receive it. This is the la- it's an unteachable spirit, and it's prevalent in the church. I've been doing this a long time, and I'm amazed by how those who know the most learn the least. It's like they already know. There is no graduation or diploma in learning the Word of God because the Word of God is not to be learned as a textbook. It's to be absorbed and lived in our lives. And my life today is a lot different than it was when I was a 20-year-old kid. I needed it then. I need it now for different reasons. Oh, the sadness. You see, a fool quarrels with wisdom. A fool quarrels with the Word of God. The foolish man quarrels with God. Listen to Isaiah 45, 9. Woe to the one who quarrels with his maker. An an earthenware vessel among the vessels of the earth. Will the clay say to the potter, what are you doing? But man does every day. And we read at the beginning of this book, what is the theme verse as we begin Proverbs 1.17? The fear of the Lord is the beginning of knowledge. Fools, did you hear it? Fools despise wisdom and instruction. You can't teach me anything. Number two, I could go on with that, but we got to go on. The foolish bring wicked contempt to every relationship. That's what I said earlier. Where there's a fight, there's a fool. Am I the fool? Causing the fight. When a wicked man comes, contempt comes with him. What comes along with you when you go in the room? Oh, have you ever heard this phrase? Oh, here he comes. (laughs) Why do we say that? Here he comes. Well, because when you come, you come with everything. You know that. Everything you are. You don't just come in there. Here you come. Here you come, when a wicked man comes, contempt also comes, and with dishonor comes scorn. Look at the the, the paraphrase. Comes the wicked man, comes derision. I love that. that. That's that good Jewish way. That's a good Jewish way to say it. Comes the wicked man, comes derision. And with the rogue... Contempt. What do you carry into your meetings with people? When they see you, they think, oh no, here, oh no, here he comes. If they're saying that about you, you better pause. You better ask. You see, the foolish have contempt. You know what the word contempt means? It means spite. You know what the word spite is? It's the idea of having sneering. We're going to see it Sunday. The Lord's going to talk about a parable that is so wonderful. We're going to have a lot of fun with it on Sunday. But he's talking about money. He's talking about stewardship and how we give. And how we give affects what happens in heaven. Anyway, I don't want to tell you the whole You won't come if I tell you. But at the end it says, and the fair, he was talking to the disciples about money. But it says, and the Pharisees heard it 
and sneered. It's the same word. You see, the foolish have contempt. Uh, Psalm 31, 18, let lying lips be mute, which speak arrogantly against the righteous with pride and contempt. You see, the foolish practice contempt because of wickedness in their hearts. I gave you some examples here. Psalm 123, 4, our soul is greatly filled with scoffing of those who are at ease and with the contempt of the proud. See, the con this is the point. The fool brings contempt to every relationship. They spot this. They say that. They do that. They hit this. It's not for the sake of good. It's out of contempt. Because their heart is not right. Nehemiah, here's a great example of it. When, Sam, when Sanballat heard they were building the wall, he became furious and very angry and marked, mocked the Jews. Now notice, here's contempt, here's spite. What are these feeble Jews doing? Are they going to restore it for themselves? Can they offer sacrifices? Can they finish in a day? Can they revive the stones from the dusty rubble, even the burned ones? Even what they're building now... One of his friends joins in. Even what they're building, if a fox should jump on it, he'll break their stone wall down. You see, the foolish seek their own desires and they fight against wise counsel. And the foolish bring wicked contempt to every relationship. It happens in marriages. happens in relationships with our children. With our grandchildren, some of you, the great-grandchildren. It happens at work and across all relationships of life. This is one that we must learn. Foolishness and foolish living, fools bring wicked contempt to every relationship. Third, the words of the foolish bring strife. A fool's lips bring strife. This is verse 6 through 8. A fool's lips brings strife, and his mouth calls for blows. That is, causes a fight. <clears throat> Read it. Here you can see it. Uh, uh, the paraphrase. The words of a fool lead to strife. His speech invites blows. To be hit. To be struck. And then we go on. A fool's mouth is his ruin. And his lips are the snare of his soul. Look at these wonderful pictures here. Look at the building of verses 6 and 7. You notice that first of all, lips bringing strife and a mouth calls for fighting. You see, words have the power to stir up the mind for good or for evil. Have you ever been listening to somebody who was speaking like a fool and the longer they spoke, the madder you got? Now you're in church. Don't act like you're giving a Sunday school answer. The answer is, yes, Brother Mike, just like you, I've done that. And I mean, you're agitated. Their words agitate you. Well, we know this, folks. We see it, you know, remember, what is, Paul, what is Paul's wisdom to parents? Don't provoke your children to anger. How do you do it? The way you talk to them. Right? Words stir you up for either good or for bad. Everybody in this room, we've talked about this, how much the fear of God is tied to our words. The, the book of Proverbs, as you've seen, we've spent time back and forth because the word of God continues to bring us back and forth 
in regard to these matters of our lips. And I've said to you before, I'm convinced that there are some real parallels between James' letter and the book of Proverbs, yet to be studied and given to you. We'll do that someday. But here's the point. Sometimes when we, we, don't, we forget this, why am I so stirred up by this person's words? Because they're speaking words of foolishness and they're stirring you. They're not stirring you to motivate. And, they're not stirring you to serve God and to encourage you to go for God. They're stirring you up to just, I'm ready to punch that guy in the face. You see, the words of the foolish bring strife. I'll just give you some from the book of Proverbs we've already heard. Proverbs 10, 12. Hatred stirs up strife. Because people have hatred, they won't have a fight. A hot-tempered man stirs up strife. A perverse, a twisted, a perverted man spreads strife. And then we have Proverbs 26, 21. Like charcoal to hot embers and wood to fire, so is a contentious man to kindle strife. What does it take to get a fight going? The foolish talk of a fool. It's like laying the charcoal down, pouring the, and you know what it is? That lighter fluid. There it is. It's the kindling. You know, or starting a fire, you put in all your little pieces of wood. Words. Words. Foolish words. They don't lead to godliness. They don't lead to encouragement. They don't lead to, they lead to fighting. And I remind you, Paul reminds us that the, the works of the flesh, Galatians 5, has in the list, along with idolatry and sorcery and enmities, strife. Then he says in verse 8, the words of a whisperer are like dainty morsels. I've been thinking about that. Dainty morsels. Um... Dainty morsels, just maybe donut holes. There you go. Dainty morsels. Some of you, you make those little uh, little uh, bonbons. I hate bonbons. <laughs> Pat and I have a joke about that. We had a lady and we and we loved her in the Lord, but you know she made us bonbons. It was like bonbon heaven when we got all these bonbons. It was like I can't eat all these bonbons. Dainty morsels. You pick whatever you want as your dainty morsel. But you know, just to hear that gossip, man, it's sweet, isn't it? It's like, yeah, I always thought that guy was a bum anyway. Yeah. Yeah, and what happened? Oh, tell me again. Don't just text me. Call me up and tell me. I want to hear your voice when you tell me. It happens in the church. It's a disgrace to God. It's foolish and wicked behavior. The words of the whisperer are like dainty mortals and they go down into the innermost parts of the body. You see, gossip affects you for life. Whisperers destroy relationships be between people when the people don't even know the whole story. 
May we all say in this room, God, help me never to be a whisperer. Because God hates, Proverbs 7, those who separate friends with their words. He hates that kind of behavior. Now we go on. Now we get to a fun one. You're going to go, what in the world? Brother Mike's preaching heresy. Number four, flipping a coin can settle disagreements. <laughs> this is my favorite one. The cast lot puts an end to strife. What? We're saying, here we are, 2023, bunch of American Christians. What? What? All of you have got your study Bible. You're, you're quickly checking to see what Dr. So-and-so says. The cast lot puts an end to strife. Flipping a coin can settle disagreements. I could have added, flipping a coin can help you make a decision. You don't like that, do you? I do say down here, last note, the lot settles a lot of disagreements, and I could have said, Helps with decision making, but the sure way is to settle them by the Word of God. And I believe that. But let's talk about the lot for a moment. You know the lot was the ancient method. It was used in a lot of ways. Sometimes it was picking a stone, uh, and the stones would be a certain color, and there'd be one that was another color. Whoever picks the, the, uh, the uh, single color, is there it is. Or it's, they're thrown out. And they're thrown out in such a way that everyone receives a stone. The lot cast into the lap, Proverbs 16.33, the lot is cast into the lap, but every decision is from the Lord. It's an illustration. Lot, casting the lot reminds us that God is the one who makes the final decision. Remember, we make our plans, but the Lord directs our path. We've seen that in Proverbs. All of this has to do with the glorious sovereignty of God and, and His knowledge and His purposes being accomplished. This thing of lots. And it was very important in the Word of God. Jonah, remember? Jonah confessed. The storm's going on. Remember, he told those, those, those fellows that were all pagans on the ship. Remember, he's trying to get away from God. You all know the story of Jonah, Remember? We talked about Jonah. We did Jonah in here. So what happened? They cast the lots to learn on whose account the calamity of the storm had struck them and the lot fell to Jonah. And then he, then he got thrown out in the fish eating. But then we read a very sobering word when Peter stood up and said, let another man take his office. Judas is the betrayer from the Word of God. He quotes from the Psalms. And so they drew lots for them. They talked about the candidates. They picked those who were qualified, who'd been with the Lord Jesus from the beginning. You know the story. They cast lots and it fell to Matthias. This is quite, this is quite important now. He became the 12th apostle. So the, the beauty of this passage is that the, the cast lot puts an end to strife and decides between the mighty ones. It's a commentary on the Old Testament in many ways because I didn't give you, a, there's a lot of different places where the lot is cast in the Old Testament. 
And the point of it is, between two strong people, sometimes the, uh, the opinions on both sides are equal. So how do you settle it? You flip a coin. All right, you're all worried about that. I'm going to move on to the next thing. You would think I told you to take Revelation, tear it out of your Bible. I did not. Just go do your own study, you'll see. There's not a prohibition in the Word of God to casting lots. The most sure way is the Word of God and the Holy Spirit. Yes, but it is important to see it as we think about how to settle a decision or a disagreement. Flip the coin. You and your wife. Well, we're going to put the refrigerator over here. We're going to put it over there. I don't know. Heads, it goes here. Tails, it goes over there. Some of you men in here, I'm trying to give you some good advice. Just get you a coin and say to your wife, heads or tails? You pick. Okay, that's what we'll do. Or you could say heads and tails. And you flip it and say, you win either way, mom. Number five, the offended are hard to restore to a good relationship. As we finish, this is such an important thing. A brother offended is harder to be one than a strong city. This isn't a stranger. This is a brother, a sister, one who's like family and literally could be family. A brother offended is harder to be one than a strong city. And contentions are like the bars of a citadel. The uh, paraphrase, a brother offended is more formidable than a stronghold. Such strife is like the bars of a fortress. The closer the relationship broken, the harder restoration is to make. It's, it, the proverb is giving us wisdom. Uh, this is a fact. It's not, it's not the place. We have places about restoring relationships. Matthew 18, we have other places. We have places where we go. Uh, forgiveness. This is simply, the proverb is reminding us the wisdom of God here is to remember that offenses may never be resolved. Though they should be. And we have lots of stories of those. Cain was offended and murdered Abel. Joseph's brothers were offended and they sold him into slavery. Can you imagine what it would have been like to be one of those brothers as his, their son, their, their youngest brother is screaming and yelling as he's hauled off. They didn't care. Absalom was offended and sought to kill David. And then I thought I'd read to you Genesis 27, 41. Esau, when he didn't receive the blessing, bore grudge against Jacob because of the blessing with which his father blessed him. And Esau said to him, the days of the morning of my father are near, then I will kill my brother. You see, a brother offended is harder to be one than a strong city. And sometimes it's never right. So guess what? Let's not offend. As much as it is in our power, let's not be the offender. And if we're offended, then let's be like Jesus and forgive an offense. 
Finally, the righteous live in confident security because of God. By the way, I didn't mention it, but you need, there's a whole other thing of thinking through. Strife is like the bars of a city, the bars of a fortress. Strife, fighting is like bars of a fortress. You should go home tonight and think about that. But we come to the end, praise God, with one minute. The name of the Lord is a strong tower. The righteous runs into it and is safe. The name of the Lord is a tower of strength to which the righteous man runs and is safe. The paraphrase says, Ah, Psalm 3120, You hide them in the secret place of your presence from the conspiracies of man. You keep them secretly in a shelter from the strife of tongues. And what did the Lord say to us all? Some of your Bibles, you know how it translates it. Be still, but it actually reads in the Hebrew language, cease striving. Sometimes we're having a fight with ourselves. You know that's what agitation is in your soul. You're fighting yourself. Cease striving. Be still. Know that I am God. So in our relationships... Cease striving. In our walk with God, when, when, you're, when worry starts to churn you and when fear starts to come, cease, stop, stop, be still, cease, sit where you are. And then how did Solomon say it again in Ecclesiastes? It's quite a good statement. One handful of rest <laughs> is better than two fists full of labor and striving after the wind. Give me just one handful of rest, right? That's what I'll take. One handful of rest. Rather than two of just agonizing labor and strife. To the praise of the glory of His grace. May the Lord give us wisdom tonight. The Lord is near to the door. Near to the door. And we pray, come Lord Jesus, don't we? Amen. Amen. Heavenly Father. Thank you for my dear brothers and sisters. Oh, the richness of your word to us. It is, it is um, new every day as your faithfulness is and your grace and your loving kindness and your goodness. You have lavished your love upon us and you have given us the blessed Holy Spirit. What else can we have? And our promise of heaven is our home. Fill us with your spirit. May we live as righteous people, humble, righteous people, and forsake our foolishness so that we might honor the Lord Jesus all the days of our life. Bless my brothers and sisters as we go. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen. God bless you. Go flip that coin.